We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. A big part of feeling good is looking good. And if you want to look good, and you do, especially this time of year with the holidays approaching, you really need to check out Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Plus, you get to personalize all the details, including your lapel, lining, and your own monogram. Indochino's process is simple. You choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and designed your suit at the nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com. Promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. What did you say? I wake up at 3.40. I am a psychopath. Please tell me you're recording now. (laughs) Uh, no, I'm a, I'm a crazy person. I wake up uh, at 3.40, uh, give myself enough time to like not feel like I'm going to die, get on the road, and I'm at the gym by usually just before 5 when they open, and uh, yeah. Let's get into it, shall we? Welcome mm-hmm. to the Rotoviz College Football Show. I'm your host, Dave Onlinco. Uh Joining me today, Matthew Wispay, of course, the, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, this podcast is being brought to you by Indochino, Harry's, and ShipStation. And we have a lot to get into. I missed you last week, buddy. I know you listened to at least 
a little bit of the show, enough to, to hear me giving you a little bit of hell. Uh, but I, in all honesty, uh, lo- love doing this with you. I'm glad you're back. How was your Thanksgiving? It was great. I mean, I, uh, I told you, uh, you know, I listened to it because when I got into a certain point, I sent you a video of me throwing an axe. Uh, so that was a fun <laughs> little uh, hobby that we picked up over our uh, over our holiday. But it was, I mean, it was fun. It was good to get uh, a nice week off. But I honestly, it popped up on my feed uh, around 6 a.m. and I was listening to it bright and early. So that's good. That's good. Well, you you and like 17 other people in America were, were enjoying Jordan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's uh, it's good to have you back. What did you think of last week's big game? Michigan, Ohio State did it. I mean, we we didn't get to hear your your full thoughts on it, you know, on the podcast. So did, did it kind of play out the way you thought it would? Or were you a little I mean, bit surprised that it was close early? What do what, what, you think? I mean, because I wasn't here, it saved you guys like 90 minutes of extra podcast time. <laughs> right, so, right. Um, uh, I have to say, like, it was a blowout. It, don't let the the fact that the game got a little bit. First quarter. Yeah. But that was the tensest I've ever been during a blowout for an Ohio State game. It was it even though when we were up by three scores, I would always feel like, oh, God, they're going to score and we're going to die. This is going to be it. This is when the avalanche starts the other way. So I can't even sit here and tell you guys like, oh, no, I was immensely confident this whole time. Um, I definitely expected this to be um, a 30 point win. No, I, I mean, throughout the game, it, I, I'll put it this way. I locked myself in a basement at my uh, in-laws, and I'm just really happy their basement is soundproof because I was loud. I was screaming. I was uh, every single play. They're Michigan fans, though, right? Yeah, uh, no, they're Penn State fans. So, they, Oh, okay. I, I knew they were in Ohio State. I got, got the, wrong, I got the they, wrong school. They there, don't sorry. get this rivalry, so they don't quite understand, but they, they didn't quite know why I felt the need to go lock myself in the basement. So... Uh, it was great. I mean, I was happy. Um, I I have a couple of issues with some of the major mainstream takeaways, which is saying like, oh, OSU's secondary got exposed. They got exposed-ish. Um, I think there was an issue in the first quarter. They came out and were running a 4-4 defense against a team that liked to pass. Um, but my big things that uh, my takeaways from that are they were missing an NFL cornerback in Sean Wade and uh, – after the second after halftime, when they did their uh, adjustments and kind of a changed the way they were going to be set up, Shea Patterson passed for fifty more yards. So we had two hundred and fifty yards in the first half and fifty yards in the second half. So if you're going to question Ohio State's secondary, I'm going to just kind of look back at you and say it seems like you watched the first quarter and kind of turned off the game. So um, right, I, I mean, I'm more confident now in this team. I continue to say that the only team I'm really afraid of in all of college football is Clemson. So, um, but I will, there are times I'll say Michigan did impress me, but I think I really think they, they recruited a relic in Zach Charbonnet. And I'm, I think has <clears throat> Hassan Haskins is probably their best running back on their roster. One of the things that, that scared me for you was when fields, uh, was gripping his knee in pain, uh, I was like, oh no, this this could be a big deal. Uh, I know he, you know, he he looks good to go. I think it was an MCL sprain, is what they called it. Uh, are you nervous at all that that his uh, mo- most likely uh, he he won't be able to run or move around quite as much? Does that make you nervous at all looking to this uh, this Wisconsin game, or do you still feel pretty confident that even uh, let's say he's at seventy five to eighty five percent, like him at that caliber is still good enough to keep this engine moving and guys like uh, Dobbins and, and Olive and I, I always mispronounce his name and I apologize, but they, they've got enough other 
weapons that that Fields really just needs to be able to deliver the football to those pieces without having to contribute on the ground himself. How, how are you feeling about that? I mean, I hate to sound overconfident, but I just think this is a terrible matchup for Wisconsin. I don't know how they score, and I don't think there are that many teams that can even stop a 75% Justin Fields. Yeah, I think it'll turn the it, what will probably happen is that we'll limit the number of times we go deep. So I, I kind of actually don't think it'll be at a big Chris Olave game. I think that uh, guys like Austin Mack, KJ Hill are probably going to have a little more success in this game than they normally would just because they will kind of resort to what they did in the second half against Michigan, which is take what the defense gives you, take the fact that there are going to be these short open passes. So if Wisconsin tries to bring, bring extra pressure because field can't move, you're going to probably see that open up with these short passes, the slants and the screens like you saw in the second half against Michigan. So, um, right. And and we'll get into that game a little bit more later too. So, but, but speaking of Wisconsin, they, they took care of business. I mean, they, they had a very strong performance against Minnesota winning 38, 17 on the road. Again, this, this game was, was close at halftime. It was 10, seven. And then all of a sudden, Things just got out of hand, but it wasn't like Jonathan Taylor was doing a lot of the work. I mean, he he only had seventy six yards rushing. He did have the two touchdowns, uh, but but Cephas got 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 going. He had a a big touchdown in the snow, which uh, really got Wisconsin moving. And Minnesota just looked rough. I, I watched a little bit of this game. I've kind of so <laughs> I've talked in the past about having a I, I I every once in a while bust out the Xbox three sixty to play some NCAA football. And I started a dynasty like two months ago with Minnesota <laughs> just because they've been fun. And so I kind of root for Minnesota. But uh, so I wanted to watch this game. But Tanner Morgan, to me, uh, this was one of the worst games I've seen from him. I, I was really disappointed. Uh, I mean, he still threw for almost 300 yards, two touchdowns, but he had a, a pretty bad interception. He had a, a, a lot of misses. Um, yeah. Do you, did this outcome surprise you at all? Did you think it would be? Uh, much closer do you think this means anything I mean that's what really matters does this mean anything for Wisconsin moving forward I think Wisconsin was honestly getting undervalued I think generally the consensus was that they had fallen off ever since playing Ohio State and truthfully ever I mean other than the Illinois loss too this was a game where Cone kind of showed why he was highly regarded at the beginning of the year going into those two losses and I mean it's he he kind of had to step up they it sounds to me and in all honesty i can i can say this to our listeners i was traveling um on last saturday so after the ohio state game i was on a plane coming home so missed a lot of the action i missed a lot of football and so for this one uh my understanding on this is that minnesota kind of sold out defensively to try and stop jonathan taylor exactly Yep, that's what that's. I, I watched this game. That's exactly what happened. And I think the snow and the elements made them feel like if they could stop Taylor, they would be fine. And it just, yeah, it backfired on them. <laughs> like you were saying, Cohen was just fine. And I think one of the underrated parts of this is the fact that Wisconsin's run defeat run defense actually really came to play. Um, for as much as we talk about Bateman and Tyler Johnson. Um, Minnesota really likes to lean on the running game. They've got three quality running backs. Ibrahim uh, Smith and Brooks are all um, running backs. They like to mix in the entire time and give them all a lot of carries. Um, And the fact that they only average 2.5 yards per carry in the game kind of tells me that Wisconsin's run defense, which was so stout at the beginning of the year um, and sort of got exposed in a couple of games, it sort of stepped back up and it was a big game for them. So, 
I mean, I, I've said for a while, I thought Wisconsin was better than they were showing. I still think they're probably the third or fourth best team in the Big Ten behind yeah. Penn State. Uh, definitely Michigan. behind Penn State. I don't know if they're behind Michigan. I really still don't think Michigan's that great. Um, and I think even if you played now, I think the game's closer result, but Michigan's going to struggle again, would struggle in that game still. But I, I mean, I'm happy. I, this is a matchup that I tactically prefer. Um, I think Minnesota scared me a little bit more on, with their offensive attack. Well, you, you mentioned the defense there, and I think the defense was was the big story in the Oklahoma Oklahoma State, as well as the A&M uh, versus LSU uh, matchup. And, and we, we were talking about this before I hit record. Just uh, I mentioned that I didn't get eyes on, on much of this. And, and you, you were saying how kind of the big takeaways for you was how both these defenses really stepped up. Uh, and uh, I mean, AM was only able to score seven points. Oklahoma State was only able to put up 16. So, so the defense has really uh, showed up. Shuba Hubbard was held. I know this is really funny to say, but held to only 104 yards, but that's still fewer than, than, than he usually gets. So uh, he, he did not yet eclipse the, uh, the 2000 number that, that we're hoping he gets to, and I'm sure he will in the bowl game should he play in that. Uh, but, but any, any big takeaways from these, these, uh, these two games before we talk about Auburn and Bama? I don't really want to overrate the uh, LSU performance. I think they played well. I think they did what they're going to do, which is score a lot of points. And I, I genuinely just believe this A&M team is incredibly overrated. Um, their yeah. entire resume, I mean, I'm not a Kellen Mond fan, so I'm with you there. <laughs> I mean, but their entire resume is based on um, their losses. It's If you ask anybody who is trying to defend A&M what they like about them, they will point out their losses. There aren't any wins on A&M's record that are actually meaningful. So, I, I mean, LSU did exactly what they should have done. Um, but yeah. Yeah, one of the things that I thought was interesting was the leading receiver for the Sooners was CeeDee Lamb. That part's not shocking. The number is, though, four for 36. Unbelievable. <laughs> like They just were able to do so much on the ground. Uh, Kennedy Brooks, who uh, I know I loved last year and was really uh, touting last year, uh, he really came on this this week. He uh, he had 160 yards and a touchdown on 22 carries, so he really was able to, to help carry the load. And then, of course, Jalen Hurts had 60 yards and a touch of his own. So yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, Oklahoma Baylor. I'm excited to, to preview that game in a little bit. We're going to get into all the games, all the big games, conference championships, and whatnot in a few minutes here. Uh, but before we before we do that, though, I, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that Auburn Bama game. I, I I will be honest, I did not watch a whole lot of this because Oregon Oregon State the Civil War was on TV. Uh, actually, it wasn't. It was on Pac-12 Network, which is most difficult channel to find. So I found it. I found, I had my ways. <laughs> I have my friends with Pac-12. Um, so, so I, I was watching that. I, I threw Auburn uh, and uh, Bama on the phone. So in commercial breaks and stuff like that, I was watching. So I did get to see some of the madness. I also had Bama as one of my locks. So I was definitely rooting for them. And the, the craziest thing to me was people saying like Bama's washed, Auburn's just better. And it's like, listen, if, if Mac doesn't throw two touchdowns to Auburn. Like Auburn scored two touchdowns on his throws. Like this game would have been totally different. So those pick sixes that he threw were just heartbreakers. One of them's a hundred yard return. So uh, I, I thought that that was the, the big story of the day for me. Other than of course, the fact that fourth and four to end the game, Auburn gets uh, the penalty against Alabama, gets the automatic first down and Bama doesn't even have a chance to, to come back and win this. So that was pretty disappointing. I thought it was a really uh, just, just a bit of a buzzkill to, to otherwise a really fun, exciting game. 
And uh, we were texting back and forth, and Jordan Jordan was like, yeah. Auburn, is, he's like, right. It's the most Auburn yeah. way to win a game. Yeah. And then like the, it was like an, an out coaching of Saban in that moment. And it was, it was pretty exciting. So anyway, I talked for a long time. I'd love to hear your thoughts. So, I mean, I think you're generally right. I think you can't come away with this and say, oh, well, this is the end of the dynasty. No, I mean, I think they, they made some mistakes that normal Alabama teams wouldn't make, but we also have been saying all year, this is a relatively young team. And do I think that they win this game with Tua? I think they pretty comfortably win this game with Tua because Tua doesn't make yes. that pass. Um, for as much right. as I've said um, since he's begun playing, that he sort of reminds me of Mahomes in the way that he just trusts his arm so much that he may make a bad throw every once in a while. Tua does not make those bad of th- or those types of throws that cost him his team the game. And I mean, it sounds like Jalen Waddle kind of crushed. Um, because he's amazing and oh he he looks so good and he's like their third or fourth receiver it's just ridiculous uh it'll be interesting as we're prepping for next year and looking uh at, at guys in different positions like all the Alabama receivers and we've talked about this a lot like their dominator rating just throw it out the window it doesn't matter they've got too many weapons on that team that it, it just becomes irrelevant well he'll be interesting because now with likely the exit of Judy Ruggs right. And Smith, if he does come out and have like a truly dominant season um, where he gets like a 0.3 or 0.4 dominator rating, Jalen Waddle should be in that consideration up there with Rondale Moore, with um, Rashad Bateman um, for the top receivers in the class. I know I'm leaving sure. someone out, but like shorter. Waddell, you about shorter. Oh, shorter. Yeah, shorter. <laughs> he's he's only dead to me and Jordan. Um, but I, I mean, I think that there's going to be uh, – some real conversation that waddles right up there towards the top of this class. And I mean, he should be. Yeah. I, I more meant, I meant his, his crazy numbers are going to kind of make like Judy and rugs numbers oh, look yeah. even worse than they would just from like, cause it's not like it's just Judy and rugs. There's they've got four legitimate wide receivers there. So it's just anyway. Yeah. It's crazy. My last takeaway, just cause I feel like I need to mention him is Jartavius Whitlow. Um, he continues to impress me. He's, I believe he's a true sophomore. I'm trying to, yeah, true sophomore. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, 114 yards, averaging 7.1 per carry, um, and then added in two receptions um, for 29 yards. Those are kind of the kind of numbers I want to see coming out of a running back. And I know this Alabama defense isn't what it normally is, but that's a good performance against Alabama. So take that as kind of just a, little reminder of next year when you're going into it kind of keep an eye on him because he may not be the guy that's talked about early on and if you're in a Debbie league and he's sitting out there see if you can just send out some offers for him he's he's a really talented back yeah and like you said like only a sophomore he might may not even be owned in many Debbie leagues at this point because he he's still so young uh he only had six receptions on the year, but he does have nine touchdowns. So uh, definitely someone to look look at for the future, for sure. I I was impressed by him. Uh, Shivers had a really nice touchdown run, uh, but I don't think uh, that's very relevant for, for the future. Uh, but yeah, interesting, interesting week last week. Uh, Oregon, I know we, we didn't recap. I mean, we didn't uh, preview that game, but but Oregon, my God, they, they put the fear of God into me. It was, uh, they were up by seven 
and uh, Jalen Red caught uh, a ball in the flat and ran it into the end zone, but he dove for the pylon, and as he was diving, the ball like slipped out of his hands and went out of the back of the end zone, like right over the pylon. So instead of it being a 14-point lead, then all of a sudden uh, they challenged the play, they reverse it, Oregon State gets the football uh, because they called it a fumble touchback, uh, which is one of the most annoying rules in all of football, the fact that like a touchdown turns into the other team getting the ball at the 20 yard line, <laughs> but, but it is what it is. And all of a sudden I was stressing. It's like, if it was bad enough that like our playoff hopes were crushed against Arizona state, but if we lose to the Beavers, I, this is like the ultimate failure of a season, but they were able to, to get a pick like three plays later and then uh, uh, get a, get a nice, fairly easy touchdown run at the end to, to, to seal the deal. Uh, I know, uh, I know no one else in the world watched that game but me. Uh, but all that to say, Oregon, um, back-to-back weeks, lo- losing to Arizona State and then really struggling against uh, uh, Oregon State. Uh, a lot of people are, are, are down on, on the Ducks, and I think that might be uh, the reason the number is where it is. But we'll get into that in a little bit. So, I, I mean, I'll, I'll admit I was rooting for Oregon State to catch their uh, bowl eligibility against you guys. But I, I'll, well, I'll they were one of your teams to start the year. Oregon State, you know me, Jer- Jamar yeah. Jefferson, Isaiah Hodgins. Um, and, I mean, that game was it. Autzen, I mentioned this last time we talked about an Oregon game. Autzen fans, they got beards. Uh, they're looking all, like, scraggly out there. We need to get them some Harry's razors. Uh, if you're looking for a great, If you're looking for a great, great gift for somebody in your life, get them a Harry's razor. Everyone guy talks about the doll cliche gifts like socks, wallets, ties. Pff, get them something meaningful and practical. Get him a Harry's razor. If you're a listener to our show, you can get $5 off any Harry's shave set by heading over to harrys.com backslash blue wire and free shipping ends um, December 16th. So act now. You know what? Harry's is the perfect gift for guys. It's a great deal for you and whoever you get it for. The gifts start at $20 and that's well within your secret Santa limits. And Harry Harry's blade refills are as low as $2 each. So if they want to re-up, they can save every time. As a special offer for our fans of the show, we've partnered with the Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including our limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com backslash blue wire. Plus, you'll get free shipping. So each Harry's shaving set comes with a weighted handle with the option to engrave it, uh, five razor blade or five blade razor cartridges, a foaming shave gel for a rich lather, a travel cover to protect your blades, and is packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. So free shipping ends again on December 16th. Act now. Go to harrys.com backslash blue wire. Once again, that's harrys.com backslash blue wire. There it is. I will be getting a few of those for for my – we do like – my wife's family does like the name drawing thing, and I I got my brother-in-law, and I never know what to get him. And this year, it's going to be much easier. I will. This will be one of the things that uh, that are that is waiting for him in his stocking, sure to put a <laughs> smile on his face, which I cannot see because it's covered with far too much hair. But uh, that will all that will all change uh, after this. So that so, that, so that's good stuff. Uh, let's get into the locker review, man. This was a real shitty week, was it not? <laughs> I mean, yeah, between no, the I three mean... of us, two wins, two wins between the three of us. It was uh, it was ugly. Yeah, I mean, Jordan went Jordan's own three was made him so upset that he actually decided he wasn't going to submit picks for us. Uh, he had <laughs> I mean, uh, it, but so I'll, I'll quickly run through mine. Central Michigan Toledo uh, over 64 was a loss. I'm annoyed with them. They had 49 points at halftime. Can't get to the finish right. line. Cool. Uh, Georgia finally decided to score some points against Georgia well, Tech. This Great. was one that when I was going over your, your, your picks, I was like, I, I think – the the, the the reasoning the process was right like 
Georgia Tech wasn't able to do a whole lot. I just, I think we both underestimated what Georgia's offense was going to do. Well, I, I kind of think they saw this as a get right game for Jake Fromm before the, sure. um, before the SEC championship game. So maybe I just didn't take it that into account enough. Whatever. Uh, Missouri, Arkansas under 53 and a half. Cool. Happy with that one. Good defense from Missouri, bad offense from both teams. Take it. And then Utah, Colorado under 49 and a half. Utah was just such a good under team. Um, all of my plays last week where I was picking teams that were either good over teams or good under teams, boy, did they pick weeks to, uh, like shake those trends. Yes. But you had been saying how Colorado, like early in the year, you were saying Colorado was like a, an, an over team for you. They so were, they dragged people into them. But, but, but Colorado only put 15 up. So if you would have known Colorado's only scoring 15 points, I think you would have felt nice about that under. So it was just, like you said, it was just kind of a weird week. I would rather talk about the, I gave a couple of picks at the end of the show. It's like, these aren't locks. These are just some leans. And, and one of them was Oregon, Oregon state under, which would have hit. And the other one was, was Washington, Washington state, uh, Washington minus whatever it was. And, and I didn't put those on my, on my cards. They don't count, but I, (laughs) Damn it! I wish I, I wonder would've. where you're at on your coward picks for the year. Um, I know my coward picks. Have been, you've done that. I know my my coward picks are like super super good, and that might need to be a segment for next year. Uh, I need to just uh, stick with those. Uh, I had a I had a really bad I had a really bad mental space happening during the Iowa Nebraska game because uh, I was in Iowa minus five and a half, and they should have won that easily. And then stupid Stanley throws a pick six. And all hell breaks loose. And then Iowa was actually kind of lucky to get that field goal at the end to win it. Uh, and so them winning it just made me mad. I would have rather them lost completely than, than get the win and screw me over. But whatever. I'm not bitter. I'm just never betting on Iowa again. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I, I was crying. Um, Bama minus three and a half. We already talked about that one. Again, pick sixes really hurt me this week. <laughs> that one uh, That one stung a little bit. I was on your Buckeyes, buddy. Minus You're nine. Welcome. That was my, my one solid win on the week, uh, and I felt good about that one. Uh, Georgia State, Georgia Southern. I actually did, for, kind of forgot that I bet on this game. Uh, so so I don't actually – I'm looking right now to see if I can find it. Oh, the, the total was 48, so I missed it by about 10 points. So so that was disappointing. Uh, Jordan went 0 Wait, for 3. Wrong? Did I not bring that – did I bring over one that wasn't on your list? No, no, no. no. I, I, I definitely picked it. I just forgot about <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, but Jordan went 0 for 3. Uh, he still ends the year with a winning record, so good for him. Um Hopefully I can I can say the same for myself in, in a couple of You're weeks. Gonna go perfect he, this week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he was wrong. He had Army plus three at, at Hawaii. He had Wyoming plus ten and a half at Air Force and Texas Tech. Got rolled by Texas. I did not see that coming, uh, but it happened, and and that's unfortunate for him. Uh, and Texas is like Iowa to me. They're just a team that they're just so inconsistent that I refuse. I, I refuse to to bet on them because there's just no telling what they're going to do. And until I get a better feel for what that team is, I'm just they're just a strong avoid for me. But do you know what I'm not going to avoid, Matt? I'm not going to avoid ship station because with the holiday rush here, we have to be able to ship out orders quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do we keep track of all of those orders? Decide which shipping carrier to use, and of course, figure out where we can get the best rates. Well, luckily, ship station can help with all of that with just a few clicks. We'll be able to manage our orders, print labels, and get the products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, and UPS. 
so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and for your customer. It's no wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. They'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. So please take the hassle out of the holiday shipping season. It can be stressful enough. Get There's no reason to have that be a problem for you. So let ShipStation help you handle all of it with ease. Just use the offer code BLUE, that's B-L-U-E, to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, enter the offer code BLUE. Let's make ship happen. Let's make ship happen with these locks, buddy. Are you ready? I, I think I think you've got a nice little slate here. We've got championship week coming up. Actually, you know what? Let's before we do our locks, let's just do some previews. I, I'm jumping ahead. I'm getting excited. Uh, ship station does that to me. I mean, you uh, you were excited for some uh, for your locks this week. You told me about yeah, it earlier. Yeah, I, I am. But let's first talk about some of these conference championships games. Uh, let's let's talk about the Friday night game first. We've got Utah minus six and a half at Oregon. Uh, we are on opposite sides of uh, of the field on this one. Let's 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 uh, hash this out. I think Utah's a lot better, uh, as uh, Jordan frequently liked to mention throughout the year. They're one of the best offensive and defensive teams according to ESPN's efficiency. I think Oregon has been playing bad recently. Just don't think that's a great sign for this uh, this team going into a game against the best team they've played all year. So. I'm taking Utah. I think that they're probably the fourth best team in the country, and I actually really want to see them in the playoff. I'm torn because I also want to see them in the playoff, but I don't want to see them beat Oregon. Uh, so if they do beat Oregon, they better get in because otherwise it'll just be like a double whammy for me. Uh, to me, I when I was kind of thinking about what I what I thought this line would be, I had it right around three or three and a half, and so I feel like I'm getting an additional three points than I than I would have expected with Oregon. I think Oregon's defense has been so strong this year. They've uh, they've really been impressive to me something we've talked about quite a bit this year, uh, why we've been pushing the under so much. Uh, they've been able to keep teams from from scoring in, in bunches, and their offense has shown the ability to, to put up points uh, when they need to. Even in their loss against Arizona State, they were able to put points up on the board. Um, they were able to score 28. Unfortunately, the defense just had a rough day. Uh, a lot of – yeah, anyway – uh, we've talked about that game in the past. I don't need to rehash that. So I do think Utah wins, but I think it's more of a, a three or four point victory than a six and a half. So because because I do think these teams are fairly close in in caliber, this the almost full touchdown uh, benefit uh, with Oregon is is why I'm leaning that way. So so I'm going to Oregon. Uh, and I, I'm excited to see this game. Actually, I'm really disappointed. I will be on an airplane for part of this. So I'm hoping it's one of the planes that has a has a direct TV on it. Cause otherwise I'll be pretty upset, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a rough one for me. It should be, a, it'll be a good one. It might be best. Like I, I missed the Arizona state Oregon game because it was my wife's birthday. So if Utah just comes out and smashes Oregon, I might be happy that I, I can't watch it, but I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case. Uh, let's, or maybe it's your fault. Right. <laughs> that's true. They're like, he's not watching. What's the point? He's the only guy he's watching. So uh, let's go to probably the, the least interesting game as far as from a competitive standpoint. Let's talk Virginia at Clemson. The line is 28 and a half, which is just a monstrous number. I think there's no doubt in our minds, like Clemson's going to win and they're going to win very easily. But is that 28 and a half enough to scare you off from, from picking Clemson here? I'm taking Virginia and it hurts me because I actually love this Clemson team. 
But Bryce Perkins is kind of frisky. Um, he played really well in that Virginia Tech game. He basically put the team on his back. I think I remember seeing something sort of absurd, like he was responsible for all but like 10 yards of the team's offense. Uh, yeah, he had he was responsible for 475 yards of offense in this game. That's nuts. He's really good. He's a true mobile quarterback, um, true, true dual threat. I think he's going to put this team on the back, put the team on his back and keep it kind of close. I, I actually earlier in the year thought that Virginia would be kind of a difficult matchup for him. I don't really think that'll be that difficult, but I do think that it'll be within four scores. Yeah. Um, and seven years. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to make that same joke, <laughs> um, but uh, I I'm, I'm with you. I, I taken Virginia just more of a principal play. I don't, I'm not going to pick a, like this is more than four touchdowns we're talking about. I don't care how good the team is. I'm never going to feel comfortable with those numbers. Clemson doesn't need to worry about style points. They win, they're in the playoff. That is all that matters. I would be shocked if in the fourth quarter, if they're up by 25 plus points, they're leaving their starters in. So I could see Virginia getting a backdoor cover. I could see a lot of different scenarios take place uh, in which Clemson doesn't. So I just think it's more likely that Clemson wins by 21 than 28 and a half. So I'm with you on Virginia. This is not a lock for me. I'll, I'll go ahead and say that now. Uh, because Clemson does have, I think Clemson does have the ability to beat them by um, by forty if they want to. I just don't think they're going to be pushing the pedal to the metal late in the game. I don't think they're going to want to leave their their starters in there uh, any longer than they have to, knowing that playoffs are right around the corner. Uh, let's move over to the SEC: Georgia at LSU minus six and a half. This number's a little closer than I thought it would be. Uh, what about you? What 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 was your uh, guess on Georgia LSU when you? Uh, when, before you saw the line, just like last week when you were thinking about SEC championship football, did you think it would be this close? I did. Um, I actually think Vegas pretty well respects this Georgia team. They play really good defense most most weeks. Um, and I think they, the general belief is that they're going to be able to run the ball as much as they want against this LSU defense. And they're also going to be able to get a couple of stops during the game. I'm taking LSU um, in that spot just because it's sort of what I like to call or what is it's the avalanche effect. If LSU gets up by 14, Georgia's dead They're They just don't have the right. offensive capabilities to, they're not built to come back like that. Yeah. They're, they're not going to have three explosive plays. They're, they're going to have to try and beat you with these long drives where it it's just, it's not fun to watch and it it's going to kill the clock. So I think if Georgia does want to stay in this game, they're going to have to need to limit possessions and be efficient enough on offense. I just can't see them keeping it within a touchdown because I don't think they're going to realistically, I don't think they're going to hold LSU to any field goals at any point in the game. So LSU is going to be able to score a whole bunch of touchdowns and Georgia is going to have to try and keep up. Yeah. And I think the, the, the questions surrounding Deandre Swift, uh, Georgia running back, it just adds a little bit more to that. Like last I saw, which was like, you know, 20 minutes before we hit record, it looks like he's on track to play, but you never really know what's going to happen. And if they would miss him, uh, I, I think that would just be be a <laughs> game over almost. So I'm, I'm with you on LSU on this one. Uh, I, I think LSU wins by, by 10. I think it might be a little bit closer in the first half, uh, but I, I think LSU just has the firepower to, to, to put up so many points that Georgia will be able to keep up. 
uh, even with that good defense, I, I, I still expect this to be uh, a fairly comfortable win for LSU. Uh, I wanted to save this one for last because it's your team. We've got the Big Ten Championship, Wisconsin at Ohio State. Pretty big number here, minus 16 and a half. But, of course, they beat them by like 176 last time, so maybe it makes sense. Do I even need to ask? I think the number is pretty similar to what it was last time. I think last time it was in that 14 to 17 range, too. And right. uh, one person in our group was like, oh, no doubt it's going to be Ohio State. And everyone else was a little hesitant. Shocker. Yeah. I'm still going to be <laughs> on Ohio State in this spot. I actually will talk about it again in a little bit. Um, I think that Ohio State's defense is built to stop Jonathan Taylor. Um, Jonathan Taylor has never done well against Ohio State and just. Jack Cohn is good at beating players in man-to-man who are not super-duper talented, who are good but not super talented. He's going up against Jeffrey Okuda. He's going up against Sean Wade, who is healthy for this game, and Damon Arnett, who exited in the second half against Michigan, is expected to play. Those are three NFL-caliber cornerbacks. Even if he does get man coverage and he the defense does sell out to stop Jonathan Taylor, he's not going to be able to pick him apart in the same way that he did Minnesota. So I, I just think this game matches up really poorly for Wisconsin. And I think that in this situation, the offense actually has advantages they didn't have in the first game because they won't be playing in a rainstorm like they were last time. It's indoors um, on Lucas Oil Field. I just think it's a blowout. I think I, I think 30 is probably where I expect it to finish up. And the only reason that I wouldn't be like running out to go lay like an adjusted line is just because they play the last game of the day. So they're going to know exactly what they need to do to win. So if LSU squeaks by in a game against Georgia, they don't necessarily feel the need to step on the throat. All right, let's, let's have some full transparency here. I have Wisconsin written on uh, our show doc, but I I'm actually switching it to Ohio state. That was spiteful. You know it. Yeah. Well, I I put mine in first, and and part of me just wanted to to, to fuck with you a little bit, a little bit. How often do you do, you try and trigger me like three times a week with your stuff? Yeah, well, it, it makes it makes for good content. <laughs> I actually uh, was texting Jordan last week uh, when Michigan was actually after they scored that first touchdown, and you were a little bit nervous, and you were like texting nervously. I was like. I don't want Michigan to win in real life, but for the show, it would make for some really good content. <laughs> uh, but but no, I actually think Wisconsin uh, is severely overmatched here. I think Ohio State is better at every position. And uh, I think even Fields at 70, like you already said this, but 75, 80% is still uh, going to be too much for them to handle. I think Dobbins is going to have a monster game again. Uh, he had what, like, Oh, he had over 100 yards in the first half last week. I mean, he just looked amazing. He is uh, one of the players, like, we don't talk about him. We talk about him in terms of, like, when we were analyzing games. But as a player himself, I don't think we've talked about him. Last week, Jordan and I talked about, like, risers and fallers uh, from a Debbie perspective. And for me, Dobbins has shot up way up high on the list. He has been a very impressive uh, player for me he can do everything it seems like and uh, i i think he really is uh the reason why they win so i'm switching mine over to ohio state uh i i think they win this comfortably uh part of the reason i just hate these these like 16 and a half is a big number for a conference championship game uh all of these are it, it's it's pretty crazy that we don't have one game i mean i guess utah at oregon is less than a touchdown but barely uh but it's gonna it, it could be a, a bit of a, a route weekend i don't know how many of these games are going to be interesting in the fourth quarter some of the group of five games are going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, and let's uh, let's actually get into those because we've got some locks 
Um, I'm going to, I have on here, I have one of my coward picks was a lean, but not a lock, but I'm going to go ahead and switch that over right now. And it's just going to be a lock for me because it's probably going to be the only one I actually get right. Uh, and that is, uh, I'm going FAU minus seven against UAB. Uh, I, kind of think, and I'm also going to go with the over 49 and a half. So I've got two plays on this game. I think the final score is FAU 31, uh, UAB something like 21, I think they'll be able to score enough to help us get the over, but not enough that it's going to make the uh, the minus seven put in jeopardy. Lane Kiffin is out running around uh, the country. It seems like looking for new jobs, but I, I think he'll be able to get the uh, the Owls ready to ready to go here. Florida Atlantic are four and one against the spread in their last five games. Uh, each of their victories is, this year has come by ten points or more, so so that makes me feel good about getting this over. Uh, the total has gone over in UAB's last six games versus Florida Atlantic. So when these guys play, they typically seem to go over the number. Uh, UAB also hasn't really played that difficult of competition this year, and I think uh, I think Lane Kiffin's boys are are just a little bit better better in the skill positions. Uh, they have the the best player on the field. The running back is really special. So I'm going with FAU minus seven as well as over 49 and a half. So I've got two plays on this one, and uh, we moved it from a lean to absolutely. Locked in, hundred percent. No more cowardice here. Uh, it's not quite a new year, but it is a new me. Let's hear one of yours, buddy. I'll start off with my one that's a little bit gross, and that's Cincinnati plus nine and a half. You said you found ten. I couldn't find ten anywhere. Yes, I saw it at ten. Okay, so I'm gonna take ten. Um, I can't find it, but I'm fine with that. Um, Cincinnati. I don't remember where, but I highlighted it in green, so it must be true. I mean, green means true. Um, UC's court, yes. starting quarterback Desmond Ritter is coming back. What he de- while I don't think that he is necessarily the greatest passer in the world, I do think what he does bring is a little bit more versatility. The running attack as he's their second leading rusher. Last week, Cincinnati lost three turnovers uh, in the game that they lost by ten points, and the game is actually within three points with three minutes relating, uh, remaining. And like I said, Ritter uh, brings a little bit more of a rushing tack. I think that favors Cincinnati because uh, Memphis ranks 52nd in the country in yards per rush allowed at 4.0. If Michael Warren and Ritter are rushing the ball effectively, I think they're going to just kill enough of the clock for Cincinnati to keep this game close. I actually wasn't super impressed with Memphis last week. Uh, Coxie, the receiver, did pretty well to find space, but otherwise... They were not overwhelmingly impressive on offense. I believe it was within like 30 yards of total offense. So you're, when you're talking about a team that's considered to be a really good offense playing against a team that's defensively minded, it's a little bit surprising to see that it it's that close with a double-digit win. So Memphis failed to cover last week. I'm assuming they're going to fail to cover again. I like the logic there. Cincinnati is also the home team for you. So, you know, that's your that's your town, buddy. You got to support. I, like, no, I, I think that makes all the sense. No, no, no. Your, your homes team. (laughs) But, but yeah, I, I actually do like that pick. Um, I, I think that one is, is, is solid. Uh, let's move on to my next one. I've got app state minus six and a half versus Louisiana Lafayette. Appalachian state has done me dirty this year. Let's be honest. I don't think, I I think I've bet on them three times this year and I have lost all three. Uh, so I'm due, (laughs) right? I'm due. Uh, Appalachian state are seven and three against the spread in their last 10 games. I believe those three were the three games I bet on, but that is okay. Uh, last time they played, which was one, which was in October, excuse me, 
it was in Louisiana and App State won 17-7. They are at home this time, and the line is only six and a half. I feel pretty good. Uh, their running back, Darrington Evans, has been one of the best running backs in the country. He's got over 1,250 yards and 20 touchdowns on the ground. He's been red hot. I anticipate that he adds to his his uh, his scoring pace. He's got six touchdowns uh, on the ground in the past three games. I think he has a has a nice day um, against Louisiana. So App State minus six and a half is uh, is another lock for me. So I'm gonna st- let's hear your I'm gonna stick one. with that same game. Uh, like you said, they met it uh, in October, and the game was 17 to seven and won by App State. Um, so total is 56 and a half. That seems crazy, right? Just absolutely insane. They scored yeah. 20. They scored 24 points last time. I'm going with the over. Um, generally speaking, my Ooh. my takeaway from that game was that it looked like they held Appalachian State's running game completely in check. Darrington Evans, I believe, went for under 70 yards rushing in the game, and it was actually Zach Thomas bailing him out with two rushing touchdowns to win that game. But over the last three games, uh, Louisiana Lafayette has been allowing 6.1 yards per rush. That seems really appetizing for a team that likes to run the ball a lot. So I think Appalachian State finds the way – uh, finds more success running in this game. And also, UL Lafayette, they're also a pretty solid offensive team. They rank top 20 in offensive S&P Plus, so they're going to score. Uh, S&P Plus has this game totaled at 60 and a half. I just don't understand how – I think that first game was just super fluky, and just I, I don't think it repeats itself. I think this one's a pretty high-scoring yeah. game. I think this is probably one of the better games of the weekend. So if you're sick of watching blowouts, flip over to some garbage. Right. Wow. Come on now. App State's not garbage. It's the, the Sun they, Belt. They've been ranked. It's the I know, Sun but Belt. <laughs> but App State is like the first Sun Belt team to be like ranked in the top 25 in back-to-back weeks. And they've got lots of fun stuff going on. I like App State this year. Uh, but yeah, it is garbage. I, I love Darren Tin Evans. I had him in I had, had him in my college fantasy leagues and he was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, quick question for you, uh, because you've done a little bit of research, obviously, on this game. Do you think uh, my App State six and a half is the right side if you had to pick a yes. side? Yeah. If I had to pick a side, I'd probably be on that side. Um, I do like this Louisiana Lafayette team, though, so I don't think it'll be an easy win for you, but I do think that it'll be um, – you should be on the right side. I I, I like this game. If if you're playing DFS this weekend, this is a game that I would try and get it part of. Uh, I do think there's just going to be a decent amount of scoring in it. Um, yeah, I, just I like your side. I don't necessarily think it'll be an easy win. Yeah, no, that's 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 how we roll. Not my last pick. My second to last is one we've already talked about. I'm locking in Oregon plus six and a half versus Utah. Game is in Santa Clara. There's expecting they're, they're expecting there to be uh, some nice uh, crosswinds which will make uh, the game more. Somebody other. listen to Tom Fernelli. Yes, absolutely. But they're supposed to be like with these teams, what they want to do is run the football and play defense. That's how Oregon's that that's the type of team Oregon has become under Mario Cristobal and, and, and Utah. I, I think their, their quarterback is, is wonderful, but you know, Moss is to me, uh, kind of the engine behind, behind that Utah offense. I know that's controversial perhaps, um, but but I think both these teams will be happy to to get into a defensive running the football type battle. And in a game like that, it's just hard to to see one team really get out to a huge lead. So I, I think this one stays close. Like, like I said earlier, I think Utah ends up winning it. 
but I think it's going to be be closer than that six and a half. I was tempted to to play the the under on this one, but it came in. I think it's at forty six and a half or forty six now, uh, which is a little low. I could see the both teams scoring in the twenties. Uh, which would make me a little bit nervous to get that number. I was hoping it would be in the mid fifties because then I would have pounded that under pretty hard. Uh, but I, I missed it. I think it started off at fifty one. I would have played that, but at forty six, it's just a bit bit too uh, too low for my comfort level. So I'm just going to stick with my ducks. Um, I'd love to see them them pull off the win, of course. But I, I think they lose. But I think they lose by three. So uh, Oregon plus six and a half. Let us hear your last lock for the week. So I, I think part of my brand this year is that I've had uh, one fuck it game of the week. Yes. Um, sometimes I censor myself. Sometimes I don't. If you had to take a guess, uh, I think most of our listeners would know Ohio State minus 16 and a half is, is my pick this week. We talked about it a lot already. I just don't think there's much of a path to winning for Wisconsin. Now, if we come back next week and you just, if all you hear is sobbing, you'll know that Wisconsin <laughs> won. Um so uh, I, I think this is just a, a good matchup for Ohio State. And I mean, stay with brand effort. Yeah. Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about this is one of my locks. So let's talk about it in that perspective first. But then I would would just like to hear your thoughts about the Big 12 championship game. Uh, but I'm on Oklahoma minus eight versus Baylor. Oklahoma somehow was one and four against the spread in their last five. Um, seriously, that's got to end, right? Like Oklahoma is too good to be one and four against the spread. So I'm using reverse logic here. Uh, I know a lot of times we use those numbers to, to pick like to pick the other side of that. But to, to me, I just feel like Oklahoma is too good. If you rewatch that Baylor game, it the reason – Baylor got off to that huge start was Jalen Hurts had had some pretty rough turnovers. I think he had two fumble, three fumbles, uh, two were lost. He threw a pick and, uh, and Baylor was just given really short fields and they were able to take care of the football. I uh, take care of it and score. But in the second half, I don't know if people actually looked at the second half. It was 24, nothing. Uh, OU in the second half. So to me, uh, Oklahoma is just a better team than Baylor. I think Baylor has improved throughout the year, but I don't think they're going to be able to keep this an eight point game. I don't think Oklahoma runs, them out of the building and wins by 20, but uh, but eight seems like a, a pretty comfortable number. So give me Oklahoma. I think they win by two touchdowns, uh, well, between 10 and 14. If this number got to, to 10 and a half, I probably would avoid it. But at minus eight or minus nine and a half in that range, I feel comfortable with Oklahoma. So uh, that's my last lock for this week. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on this game because we did not preview uh, this, this Big 12 championship game uh, earlier. Yeah, that's on me. I didn't put it on our list. No, uh, but um, we get to talk I'm about really it now. I'm not sure why. So... I think you're right. I think you're on the right side. I'm. I if you wa- went back and rewatched that game, Baylor wasn't the better team on the field. Right. For as much as it's, you sit there and see up oh, twenty eight to three. This is definitely Baylor's the team. This is this is a fluke loss by Baylor. It, I mean, it's fluky, but Oklahoma very clearly showed dominance in the second half. And credit to them, their defense came to play at the right time. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned. Denzel Mims had some really big plays in the first half against their defense. If he finds success, it could be kind of rough for Oklahoma. But at the same time, I I just think that I think Oklahoma is going to kind of look to do what they did last week, which is they've become a either bomb or run the ball kind of team. So look for Jalen Hurts to build up a pretty sizable amount of rushing yards by the end of this game. And uh, Kennedy Brooks, I think your guy is going to have some moments during this one. If you are looking for DFS plays, the guy I kind of like out of this, I always like Charleston Rambo. Um, I think he's 
kind of been a nice deep ball threat for them. And with CD Lamb on the field, it takes a little bit of attention off him. He didn't do yeah. a whole lot against Baylor the first time, but Lamb was also injured. So it's it's just an interesting spot. And I think if you are a Utah fan, you should be a Baylor fan for this game because yeah, absolutely. I, it's I don't think they'll bump Oklahoma over them, but they could. And it it's just going to be an interesting spot. I think that if Oklahoma comes on here and does look dominant, if they do win pretty comfortably, then maybe you see this is where the committee gets the team in that is more aesthetically appealing. And tech, I mean, realistically, they also have a better resume. So right. um, I like I, your side. I like Oklahoma here. I think too, if Utah does win, I – I'm going to double whatever money I put down on this game. I'll be heading over to my bookie and doubling my bet because uh, Oklahoma will know if Utah won, they need a win and they need to win big. Uh, and I, I don't think they will want to just uh, settle for uh, squeaking it by. They will look to put the pedal to the metal. I do think that stuff matters. So uh, I, I, that's something I would look for is they'll, they'll be needing those style points. So uh, yeah, I think Oklahoma will, will win comfortably here. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to matter for the playoff. What, what's right now? I'd l- love to hear uh, just to close out the show here, Matt. What do you think the uh, the final four is going to be? In, in no in no particular order. Okay, I'm going to give two answers. I'm going I'm going to okay, start yeah. with the one that I want to see. My favorite scenario. So my favorite scenario is Georgia upsetting LSU, and then it's Clemson against Georgia in one semifinal in Ohio State versus LSU. Mostly because I don't know how we're going to get Ohio State versus LSU without that. Um, without that scenario breaking um, because I just think Clemson's going to beat LSU. So that's, that's what I I hope for. I want that matchup. And I think that's the path to us getting that matchup. Here's what I do think will happen. I think it's going to be Utah. I think that the committee kind of has made up their mind and that's why they've continued to put Utah ahead of them, despite the fact Mm -hmm. that Oklahoma has a better resume and that their loss is basically the same when you look at it kind of, in the moment, it didn't feel the same because Clemson. I mean, because Oklahoma was a big, a uh, big favorite against uh, Kansas State. But realistically, those losses are very similar. Both of them were pretty well handled against a team that they probably should beat most weeks and lost. But I think they would have already made that decision if they were preparing to put Oklahoma in with a win over Baylor. So I think that the Final Four is going to be. Ohio State 1, LSU 2, Clemson 3, yeah. Utah 4. I agree with you. I think that's what it's going to be as well. Uh, and, uh, well, yeah. It's okay. We're one week away no, from no, it. No, no. My like only hesitation is away from it. we should be thinking. I would not be sh- shocked if if Oregon beat Utah. I'll just say that. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked. But I'm a homer, so I don't know if I'm allowed to actually say that aloud. Although I pick against Oregon so much, I'm allowed to say that. I think Oregon could upset Utah. I think they could really uh, – make committee's job a lot easier and and friday night everyone's like well all right i guess oklahoma just has to win and uh we'll see what happens but uh yeah i don't i don't think georgia's gonna be in uh i i think that that, that that's pretty much uh i'm most confident about that take i'll put it that way for anyone really curious about how uh stefan feels about uh oregon go back to our pod after the first week of the season <laughs> um after they lost to auburn when he predicted they were going to lose their next three games and wanted to fire <laughs> yeah that sounds that sounds like something i would say and probably that all I probably happened. a very sound reasoning and logic i'm not easily swayed by emotion <laughs> that's not true at all um, oh that's good stuff hey, uh, matt do you have uh, a debbie article coming out this week 
I actually it went out today. Um, it was sort of an extended version. I uh, previewed all the group of five games and also talked about a few of the standouts from last week. Oh, excellent. So I will link that in uh, on the webpage. Uh, so if you are looking for that, uh, either just search for, for Matt's stuff on Rotoviz or just jump on the, the show outline and you will find it there. Uh, let everyone know where they can find you on on uh, Twitter. Um, you can find me at Wispy the Kid. Um, I'm great. And I am Stephen Laco. Uh, give us a follow. Of course, rate and review the podcast. We will be back with you in just about a week or so with uh, looking toward looking towards the bowl games, some of the ones that we're most excited about. Um, I don't know if we're – yeah, we'll have to see what our schedule is going to be like over the next couple of weeks with all the bowl games and uh, just see what makes sense. But we'll, uh, we'll let you guys know uh, either through our Twitter feed or we'll just have a podcast that kind of outlines what's coming up. But thank you so much for listening. Of course, if you subscribe, you don't have to worry about all that. It'll just show up in your feed when it's ready. So do that. And uh, thanks again for listening. We look forward to this upcoming week of games and to talking to you in the future. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.